Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome to the Zenpreneur podcast. Today, I have a very special human being, someone that I met uh, a long time ago in New York City and that I was able to witness his incredible, incredible, thriving journey. Daniel Mangana, he teaches people to develop a millionaire mindset and achieve abundance mastery. He's a podcast host, a best-selling author, international speaker, and a successful entrepreneur who's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, and appeared on Fox, CNN, and CBS. And today he's tuning in from one of the most vibrant cities in the world, Dubai. Welcome, my friend, to the show. Hey, Big Murray. How you doing, buddy? I am abundant, alive, and free. And today I am receiving oh, a treat because yeah. I get to speak with you. <laughs> likewise, man. Likewise. Pleasure's mine. Pleasure's mine. Beautiful. Tell us, you know, people usually don't wake up with an abundance and millionaire kind of mindset. There's usually a mm -hmm. story that brings them there. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to speak a little bit into what helped you have that realization to develop this kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. So the crazy thing with me is that mindset wasn't the thing that I needed to develop. It's the thing that I needed to tame. And it was the other pieces of the puzzle that actually I needed to develop. I needed to develop the emotional resilience. I need to develop a vibrational comfort and I needed to develop habits, actions and behaviors of millionaire because I made my first million when I was 19 years old. Um, I was that kid in school that the teacher was like, oh, I know you're going to be a millionaire. I don't actually remember a time that I didn't think that I was going to be rich and successful. I always kind of had that dogged self-belief that got compounded when I started to spend time in my teens reading books like Think and Grow Rich, Psycho-Cybernetics, um, uh, The Midas Methods all that kind of stuff. I started reading those as early as like 16 years old. So when I went off and had my initial success, there was no mental block to that because I hadn't had any of the bumps that would have led to me not believing. Mm. But the belief wasn't actually the thing that I needed. It was the other pieces. And having made and lost it a couple of times um, in my, my early 20s, I then went on a journey that helped me to understand that there are other pieces to the puzzle and what those other pieces are. And my journey for myself that I share with others and get the, 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 the blessing of being a part of other people's journeys too, is sharing those other pieces with them and supporting them and bringing everything together. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. There's a, there's a few things here that you mentioned. You, you dropped the word that says vibrational comfort. I've never heard mm -hmm. that. Can you elaborate? <laughs> what do you mean by vibrational comfort? It sounds really cool. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that people love to talk about when they're selling their courses on Instagram, whatever is, oh, your vibe, your money vibe, your frequency. And ultimately, all that really is for us in our everyday experience is how we feel, because our emotional state is indicative of where we're at vibrationally. And because we're magnetic in nature, where we're at vibrationally dictates what we're allowed to have experientially, because we can only experience what we're vibrational matched to. That's the law of vibration, a universal law. So vibrational comfort what that is is under, is being able to sit and hold the frequency or the vibration of what we want to create if we look at the example of lottery winners or people that get a windfall 90 percent of them go back to exactly where they were within five years because they're not able to hold the frequency of what they created did you ever watch game of thrones yeah of course okay so robert baratheon for those of you who don't know what we're talking about sorry you're gonna have to catch up but robert baratheon <laughs> was a conqueror but he wasn't a king think about it he was a True. conqueror but he was not a king and so often we go through life thinking that conquering is the end of the journey when it's not 
It's being able to sit on the throne and hold the throne that matters. And so people that are able to manifest something or to bring something into their life, that's one thing, but being able to hold it in your life is something completely different. And for me, that's vibrational comfort, being able to hold the thing that we brought into manifestation. Wow. I love this. This is so juicy. And it makes so much sense <laughs> because if, if you take taking this example of the Robert Baratheon, the conqueror, it's a completely mm -hmm. different energy and it's a completely different focus and strategy to conquer, right? You are exerting mm -hmm. extreme amounts of energy uh, to get mm -hmm. to this place that you have in mind. Okay, I'm, I want to win. And I see this a lot with entrepreneurs. There's this, I got to win mentality and they exert themselves with so much force that once they get to that place, the next moment they go, boom, they crash, right? So the, the conqueror reaches mm -hmm. the throne and what happens a few, you know, a few periods of time later, he crashes, he dies. And so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to speak into a little bit like, what is the shift that is required once you have mm -hmm. conquered and now you move into mm -hmm. sort of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So, do you know, this happened to me actually recently. So there's a, there's a particular, um, so a friend of mine is obsessed with Lamborghini. One of my best friends is obsessed with Lamborghini. And I'm a Porsche man. I drive a Porsche. That's, that's what I drive. And he's been trying to convince me for a long time, Lamborghini, 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 Lamborghini. He came to an event of mine in, in, in Mexico last year. And everyone still remembers him as Mr. Lamborghini because he was obsessed with it. So he came out, we were out here uh, for the Grand Prix, the Formula One here in Abu Dhabi in November. And he came out for a little bit before. And so he's like, look, dude, you've got to get on the Lamborghini game. You've got to get on it. And so we, we grabbed some Lamborghinis for the weekend and just, you know, just buzzing around with them. And the crazy thing was, is that I actually came to quite like the Lamborghini. <laughs> now, I, don't, I, had a, I had a hurricane and he had a Urus and... Um, because I'm going to have more family here, my kids probably going to be out here more longer. My little 911 is probably not going to be good. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to need a bigger car. And I was thinking, I've been toying about what that is going to be. Do I get like a, like a saloon or do I get an SUV? And I had this inkling that it would have been funny. So the, the sorry, the, 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 the Lambo that I had was yellow with black detail. And I started playing with this idea. Wouldn't it be funny if I had the Euros with black with yellow detail? And I was just thinking about it. And now I keep seeing black Urus with the yellow detail, even down to I was seeing something on Instagram and someone was doing like a showing off uh, like a car and it was exactly the same black with yellow detail. Now, the energy that it takes for me to be able to bring something into my witnessing is very different from the energy that I'm going to need to go out and get it. Because in order to get that, I'm going to need to have the resources or the choice available to get that vehicle. Now, depending on my existing belief systems, that might be that I can rent it whenever I want. It might be that I can lease it. It might be that I buy it. It might be that I hold the belief system that somebody's going to give it to me. But me seeing it in my experience, walking past it, that happened two days ago. I was walking past and it had even down to the, the yellow brake discs, which I hadn't seen the brake discs before. I'd only seen the, the interior. And that's fine. But for me to be able to sit in it and sit behind the wheel and drive it is a very different thing. It's like when people are working on manifesting something and they keep seeing people close to them get it. Like they're working on success in their business and their friends start to get successful. They're working on um, uh, manifesting their relationship and their best friends are all getting their relationships and they're waiting for their turn. The level of belief that we need to have, the level of alignment that we need to have to be able to sit with something is different for us to be able to witness it. And this is where personal development and working on ourselves continually is so important because Robert Baratheon knew how to kill and conquer, but he didn't take the time out to develop himself into the skills of kingship because it's a very different set of skills. And this, I think, is one of the things that's missing in the, the world of personal development and, 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 and our world from time to time because people just want to cook the, the popcorn really quick. What can I do quickly? They're not always ready to do the work to step up and become something new, right? They, because they want to have the thing, they're happy to put the work in to get it, but then they're not ready to put the work in to maintain it because there's work involved and you're looking for the quick fix. So when it comes to this whole thing of witnessing something or bringing it into our life, ultimately what it comes down to is developing the belief system that you're worthy of it, developing the belief system that you can keep it. 
developing the skills, the actions, the habits and the behaviors that are consummate with actually holding it. If we talk about entrepreneurship, for example, I can manifest a sale, but have I developed the skills and the systems in my business to be able to deliver at the highest value having made the sale? It's all very well and good. I've manifested $100,000 in sales in my business, whoopsie do. But have I developed the skills to be able to properly deploy the services that people have given me money for? Well, that's a lot of work. I kind of just wanted the 100,000 so that I can go to Vegas or whatever. And so what it comes down to, I think, is this, bro. Are we ready to do the work that's demanded of us to step into the next level so that we can hold it, so that we can be kings and queens and not just conquerors? Mm, beautiful. I love that. That was such a great example. And would you say that what you were talking about is the, the process of embodiment? Like when you were talking about your, your own past, where you said mm -hmm. you have made millions quickly and then you lost them and you re regained them and you mm -hmm. lost them. Was that what you experienced mm -hmm. where you focused all your, your energy on manifesting it and you were like, oh, shit, I can't handle it. And so you lost it? Mm -hmm. It wasn't even that conscious, bro. It was, it was there and then it wasn't through inexplicable reasons. Because <laughs> this is the crazy thing. The universe is going to organize everything to be the perfect reflection of where we're at. The perfect yeah. reflection of where we're at. Where we are in this moment is the perfect expression of our alignment and what we're aligned with right now. Whether that's agreeable or disagreeable, whether we'd like it or whether we wouldn't like it. The universe doesn't have an opinion. It just perfectly reflects where we're at. And so for me, the fact that I didn't have even a conscious awareness of the need to embody, the fact that I didn't even have a conscious awareness of the healing that I had to do around my frequency around that level of wealth. The fact that I didn't have the actions, habits and behaviors, the embodiment, because I didn't even know that I needed them. And because I was young and thought I knew everything, I didn't even believe that anyone could tell me anything. And so I wasn't even seeking to gather them. So those things were missing. So all I had was a belief system without the other pieces. And so it was perfectly reflected in things falling away because it can't sit where there's no place for it to sit. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you talk about embodiment only being one piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. What would you yeah. say is another piece of the puzzle that helps you to manifest the vision and then hold the vision mm -hmm. um, and, and, and bring it into your life as a, as a go-to experience that you have, you know, most of your time? Some people might say that what I'm going to say is embodiment, but for me, Embodiment is something that I can do now. I can embody it. Like if, if, if I said to you, embody the spirit of a leader right now, you could close your eyes and embody the spirit of a leader. But can you go out in your everyday life holding the embodiment of a leader, taking actions and behaving as a leader, even in the most challenging circumstances, able to yeah. face challenges to that belief of you being a leader and still being able to shine through and sharp as a leader? That for me is where actions, habits and behaviors move beyond just embodiment. And I don't, I don't seek to diminish embodiment, but embodiment has to carry through into how we show up and what we're doing and how we're behaving every day. Because ultimately, again, that's anchoring in what's happening with our beliefs, it's anchoring in what's happening with our frequency. And we're going to get the perfect reflection of that in our life every day. Yeah. So if I understand you correctly, the way that I would look at that, that's like it becomes part of your identity. And it becomes part of your of yes. your go to nature, and uh, and a question that mm -hmm. I often ask myself and ask my question my my clients is, you know, reflecting back on our actions is like who are you being in this situation, for it to mm -hmm. happen the way that it happened, and who can you be mm -hmm. moving forward that would allow you to show up in a different light? And I think that's what you're speaking mm -hmm. into is like, you know, it's all. It's all, it's all great to sit on a cushion and meditate, you know, go to Dr. Joe Dispenza and have these incredibly <laughs> uh, uh, overwhelmingly beautiful <laughs> blissful experiences, right? But the moment you leave yeah. the seminar and you speak to your parents mm -hmm. and your parents call you and say, and what did you do last week? Oh, yeah, I went to the seminar and it was incredible and people got healed and they stood up from their wheelchairs mm -hmm. after 40 years mm -hmm. of not walking. And then your parent says, mm -hmm. nonsense. That is so stupid. That's not possible. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And then you go, oh, shut the, shut the fuck up, mom. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You're toxic. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. 
you know, you went from, from, oh, I am embodying to you went right back where you started. And I think that's mm -hmm. sort of what you're, what you're talking about. And I'm wondering yeah. what is a practice that you have used in your life that has helped you mm -hmm. to go from belief to identity? Mm -hmm. And I think this is where I kind of differ from, you know, a lot of people in my philosophy around this. I don't believe that there's a cookie cutter, one size fits all silver bullet practice. Yeah. I believe that we need to take the time to get to know ourselves enough to understand what practice is going to work for us. Yeah. Right. So even when I'm working with entrepreneurs, for example, and taking them through my money DNA, uh, the work I do with money DNA, it's about understanding where does your unique flow exist? So in that situation, some people might need to just take a few breaths and could stay on the conversation and just give their parents space and grace and understand, oh, mum's just being mum and I can do that because they can hold it in the breath. Some people might say, mum, I'm really sorry, but I really can't continue this conversation right now. I love you, but I need to, I need to walk away from it, right? And some people might need to release the energy by expressing themselves because that's the relationship that they've got with their parents. We're all yeah. different. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for me, so one of the, one of the, the ways that we, we teach people is we use your, your love languages. So this is going to sound really weird, right? But one of the things that I discovered when really sitting and playing with the concept of Gary Chapman's model of the five love languages was that the love languages actually give you an insight into the way that your unconscious mind processes data. What do I mean by that? Mm. Do you know your love language, your primary love language? Um, What's your primary love language? I would, I would lie if I would say a hundred percent, but I would say the things that I appreciate the most in the love it, language is, uh, is words of affirmation. Okay. So let's just say words of affirmation, just for the sake of this example. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that E comes up to you. She comes from a, a long trip. She slaps you on the bum and says, let's go upstairs. Now I'm sure you'd be a happy man, but there will be <laughs> an emotional disconnect because she didn't right? because she didn't say, Oh, I've missed you so much. You know what's been going on with you. Like you're radiating for me today. Those things that are going to trigger the emotion of love, mm. right? Yes. So for me, it's acts of service. Same thing. If someone comes in and is like, oh, you know, oh, I love you so much and blah, blah, blah. And all these lovely words, I might enjoy them, but there's going to be a disconnect in terms of me really feeling the love. And the listener knows when you're really feeling the love. There's a difference when you're feeling loved and you're really feeling love. Yeah. In that example, would you be sitting there saying, hmm, she just smacked my bum. She didn't tell me that she loves me and all the things that she loves about me and really, you know, connect with my heart with words. Hmm, I don't feel the love right now. That doesn't happen consciously. At the unconscious level, the lack of inputs leads to the lack of output. So mm. what we can see then is that the love language gives an insight is to a predictable input to output communication with your unconscious. So my love language being acts of service if I want to impress upon my unconscious, which is where the identity sits, that there is a new identity coming on board, there's a new sheriff in town, I need to show up with how I'm showing up every day in order for my unconscious to actually believe it. Because acts of service, that physical movement through time and space indicated by behavior is what it understands. Me looking in the mirror and doing affirmations in the mirror will have some impact. I'll feel love, but I won't feel the love. Does that make sense? Mm. No. No. So it's understanding yourself and being able to translate that into what you need to do for you in order to make that identity real. Right. So I like this. How would this look like? Like take me for example, right? And then as you were speaking, acts of service for me is also mm -hmm. a big thing. I love, I love that. Like the yeah. small, the small things, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. when, when, uh, when Eileen makes uh, breakfast for me or she cooks something, like mm -hmm. I feel my heart expanding, right? And, and when you she, feel it. right. And, and combine yeah. that with the words of like, you know, I love you. You're, you're so, you mean so mm -hmm. much to me. Thank you. All these things. Ba bang. Yeah. Right. Boom. Like what would that Boom. look like if I wanted to use that to, Mm -hmm. expand my money consciousness to attract mm -hmm. more wealth into my life. Okay. So first and foremost, if we're talking about having a relationship with wealth, that's healthy, we need to personify it. So I would say to people, and this is one of the simplest things. If money was a person, what would your relationship with it look like? Would mm -hmm. you be happy to be treated? I mean, when it comes to intimate relationships, friendships, business relationships, 
treat others how you want to be treated. If you're treating people a certain way, how can you expect something different back? If I'm not appreciating my beloved or I'm not treating them with any love, love and care, how can I really then be mad if I don't get that back? Right? And, and it's the energy of the thing coming back. Money is an energy too. It's a living consciousness also. And it's got this collective consciousness as, it, as itself that breaks off into different currencies and breaks off into these different ideas. But there's, a, there's an energy to it that we can engage with. And when we start treating it the way that we want to be treated, all of a sudden the game changes. So are we grateful? Do we toss pennies aside? Do we negate the things that come in? Do we think, oh, that's only five rand or that's only 10 euros or that's only t $10? Mm. Or do we say, oh, I'm so grateful that it's in my life. What can I do with it? Are we being proper stewards of every penny that comes in? Or are we just sort of like, eh, I throw that on the floor and whatever's whatever. Like if we want to have a healthy relationship with money, we need to start acting healthily in our relationship with money. That and that alone will start to shift our experience with money because it doesn't have an opinionated consciousness. It has a reflective consciousness. It's firing back to us what we're firing at it. Mm. I love that. This is so good. And, and this is p perfectly in, in the philosophy that I use as well. It's like nothing is the way that it is. It's always the way we relate to it. And your way to relate mm -hmm. to money then mirrors back how you show up exactly. as in that level of consciousness. And what would you say mm -hmm. are some, you know, you, you just gave a few examples of like, you know, there's a few pennies there. And I actually caught myself like, you know, the other day I had a few pennies lying on the floor uh, and, I, and I actually tossed them in the, the trash. I was like, I'm not going to use mm -hmm. this. I'm not going to pay for this, whatever. Right. So this is a great mm -hmm. uh, check in mm -hmm. for me as well. And what would you say are some other typical behaviors that you see in entrepreneurs when it comes to their relationship with money that actually creates more scarcity? Fear. Fear. Mm. If you go to like, um, if you go to like, I'm using a romantic relationship as, as an example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you have seen like a person who looks at their partner and is convinced they're gonna leave or that they're cheating or that and they start to get paranoid, right? How do they behave? Do they behave healthily? No. Or are they like checking phones and where have you been and no. what's been going on and no. da 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 mm. or not fully or even even if they're not that way, they're not fully giving themselves to the relationship because they're fearful that it's gonna it's gonna fall apart or that the other person they can't really fully show up in loving connection. And so there is always gonna be a disconnect in that in that connection. And I feel that that's what people do with money, right? Maybe they grew up in scarcity and so therefore they've got programs of scarcity. And so they're, they're worried there's never going to be enough, right? That it's going to go, that it's all going to end. And so they penny pinch, right? They're shopping in the discount aisles, even if they don't have to. They're not treating mm -hmm. themselves to the things that they desire. And therefore they're starting to keep themselves small energetically as well, because they're not stepping into a bigger version of themselves. All of these energies start showing up. Are they conducive to expansion? Are they conducive to, to growth? Are they conducive to abundance? No, they're not. So if they're not conducive to that, and that's the energy that we're in, reflections are going to come back. Even if you've got millions in the bank account, your, your soul's going to be empty, or you're going to be burned out, or you're not even going to enjoy what you've created, or you're going to be a miserable person. So for me, abundance isn't just about money in the bank. It's about having like a full, a full heart as you enjoy it, right? having like excitement about life every day and having loving connections and relationships to enjoy with life, with the resources that you've got, having a healthy, healthy, physical, uh, healthy, physical body and heart and mind and soul that allows you to experience and enjoy life with these resources. And those require you to be in a field, right? A frequency and a, a vibration that's actually aligned with that. And if you're in fear, that's not going to show up. Mm. One of the things that I, that I ask myself a lot, because I'm fully in alignment with what you said, and at the same time, I'm wondering, there are so many miserable millionaires out there that are unhel mm -hmm. living unhealthy, they're stressed out, uh, you know, their relationships mm -hmm. non-existent, essentially, and, you know, take like the stockbroker that has millions in the bank account, but is, you know, living on cocaine and alcohol and hookers. And so mm -hmm. I'm wondering, how is it then possible in this idea of money consciousness and money attract and, and people attracting high amounts of money? How can these people do that, even though they have so much scarcity in their life? Hmm. 
I think it's important to have examples that reflect what you desire. So I'm really, really blessed. I get to be a part of some really cool, um, you know, successful entrepreneur masterminds and so on and so forth. Um, and so I've actually populated my experience with positive examples. So what that means is my mind doesn't sit there with the belief that the disempowering experience is the only one that exists. So often these people are surrounded with people in the same situation. And so they have no perspective or idea on the possibility of it being something different. Unless we at least have the possibility of it being something different, we're not going to be able to even see the possibility of a path to being something different. Yeah. They say, you know, you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. So if the five people I'm spending the most time with are only the people who are surviving on cocaine, alcohol and, and, and hookers, <laughs> then guess what? My experience is going to be limited to cocaine, alcohol and strippers. So if someone really desires to have something different, the very first thing I would invite them to do is to start looking for examples of other ways to do it. Again, like I said, for me, you know, I hear a lot of people, you know, eat the rich, rich people are really bad and blah, blah, blah. So guess what? I spend my time around people that are significantly more successful than me. I'm talking about centimillionaires, decamillionaires, billionaires who are of contribution, who are heart centered, who do enjoy their life, who do have fun, who do look after the people that they serve, who do look after their employees and so on and so forth. So I've got that example. I don't spend time with, of course they exist, you know, horrible, sad, miserable, wealthy people. But I just don't spend time with them. I don't think about them. I don't watch yeah. news about them. I don't follow them on Twitter. I don't even, you know, look at memes about them. I just focus on the positive. So guess what? My mind then gets focused on that as a pattern, as a possibility. So then when I'm working on my mindset, when I'm working on my frequency, when I'm working on my actions, habits and behaviours, I'm mirroring successful people who actually live an experience that I want versus what I don't want. Yeah, yeah. And I think you give a very important key element to a wealthy, abundant life, and that is boundaries. And that is to really mm. check in with yourself, just like you said, is like, who are the people in my life that are shaping my reality, my experience of reality? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that may be your family. And that may be a really mm -hmm. difficult thing to go through. And, you know, yesterday I had one of my mentors on my podcast and we talked about Christ consciousness and the highest mm -hmm. level of consciousness. And, and, and he said that elevating in consciousness is not a walk in the park. It's not like butterflies flying and little bunnies jumping. It's like, oh, this is so beautiful. It can be. <laughs> and mm -hmm. there are parts of you that are literally dying that are screaming as mm. as they are dying because you are letting go of them and they are no longer mm. there's no longer a match so there is uh mm -hmm. there is loneliness in that experience there is rejection in that experience there's a lot of pain in that experience and yet mm. you have to find a way to hold the vision to and to understand why you're doing that and i think what you're sharing is you know my own personal experience over the past two years radically shifted everything in my life by surrounding myself with what I call conscious millionaires and seeing mm -hmm. and seeing the disproof to the belief that I held to be true. It was like, oh, rich people, you know, they're all greedy, <laughs> evil, you know, they're the Rothschilds, you know, the puppet masters. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. whether or not yeah. that is even true, I cannot prove, right? But my experience mm -hmm. was the feeling experience that I had related to money was that. And then I met all these other people in an in a organization called the Bellwether Alliance and so many conscious millionaires that are all about contribution, support, helping one another, helping me for, free of charge. And I was like, wait, where's the hook? He's going to ask me, oh, it's $50,000 for this. And it never came. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is a whole new paradigm. And it helped me to feel different and to relax into the idea of creating generational wealth as a very good, healthy, positive thing. And bro, it's so sad, sad, so sad to see that people are locking themselves. So my personal belief, my personal belief, and I, I could be a bit of a conspiracy theorist in this, I believe that the divisiveness and the division that leads to people saying, eat the rich and, you know, screw the poor, that's just another game that people get to play. For me, these little pockets of consciousness are all games that we get to play. That's my, my personal philosophy. And so we get to play, for example, now we're playing the, bro the brotherhood game, right? 
And so the brotherhood game, the rules of the game are, I've got your back, you've got my back. I lift you up, you lift me up. If I can help you, I help you. If you can help me, you'll help me, right? That's the brotherhood game. And at the same time, we're also playing the serving game. We're coming together to have this conversation with the intention that it's going to go and touch people's lives, right? And then you and E are playing like the lover's game, right? Which has its rules to it. I get to play the fatherhood game now with Ethan, right? And there are all of these different games that we get to play. We get to sign up to these games or sign out of these games. But there are also some games, because nature's in perfect balance, that aren't necessarily as um, what we call enlightened. All of it is enlightened because it's all. So you've got this controversy game. You've got the combative game. You've got the me versus you, rich versus poor game. But we don't have to play it. And that's the crazy thing. We don't have to play it. I didn't have to be a father. But I've stepped into the fatherhood game, right? I don't have to be in the brotherhood game. We could elect not to play that game, but we chose to play right. that game. And right. so when we look at the, the entrepreneurship game, there are different ways to play the game. Just like with football, right? Or soccer, depending on where people are listening to this. I can play a clean game where I'm here to have fun and to have exercise, or I can play the game where I've got my studs up and I'm taking out people's shins. There are different yeah. ways to play the game. But here's the thing. If people on the field aren't playing the game that I desire the way that I desire to play it I don't have to be on the field I can go to another field I can go and try a different sport depending on what my intention is and so when we understand that there are different ways to play the game we can start to step up and play the game differently and be a part of a different gameplay but what people end up doing sadly is see a disempowering game not be conscious enough to witness the game for what it is a game and get caught up in it and then we com- we complain and we blame and we go into victimhood and we get stuck in that game rather than recognizing that there's freedom to go and play another game. Yeah. Boom. I love that. So good. And, you know, just the fact that you use the term game already tells me that you're operating on a very high conscious level because everything in life is really a game. Life is a game, right? There's mm-hmm. a saying know the truth and respect the illusion and the illusion is this mm-hmm. game that we're playing right daniel mario that's essentially an avatar that you know we has been created for us and then we continue to shape it in you know different mm-hmm. ways from the way that we are used to um but yet mm-hmm. still whenever you approach life or any part of life from this from this idea that it's a game there's a sense of detachment with it you are no longer so, oh, my God, I got to win this game. It's like, and some people clearly play mm-hmm. games that way. You know, my brother, if you're yeah. listening, uh, that's I'm, an invitation I'm for you. free to play that game. <laughs> Ex- exactly, right? We can. We all can. We all can. And that's mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it. And yesterday on the podcast, I was sharing, like, I don't really go party anymore. Like, just mm-hmm. it's just not part of my life anymore. But I would say every mm-hmm. six months, uh, Eileen and I, we go to a festival, so like a day festival, and we let loose. We mm-hmm. completely let loose, mm-hmm. and I'm fully mm-hmm. consciously aware that the next two days I'm going to be hung over as fuck, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to be on this on the couch, and I'm just going to watch some Netflix. It's not going to be the most consciously evolving information coming there. I might order myself some processed foods. You know, I'm consciously stepping into that, right? And yeah. and then I step out of it and say, this was a great experience. I'm good for the next six months or maybe more. Right? It's It doesn't yeah. give me something where I'm like, oh, if I don't do this, something is going to be missing in my life. No, it's, it's a fun experience. Yeah. I choose to go there. And as it ends, thank you for this experience. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe see you in another six months. And we do. And we do. I'm the same. I mean, I'm blessed that I've never been able to drink a lot. Like I've literally gone off switch. If I try to drink too much, my stomach feels wicked. Maybe two Same. and a half. Wine, like <laughs> good red wine. Like when I'm in Italy, I can drink good red wine with dinner over hours and maybe we'll have like a bottle be- bottle or two between a few. Yeah, but I'm not doing it to get drunk. I'm enjoying the thing, right? If I try and do like shots yes. or whatever, I throw up immediately. Oh yeah. But I would like, I do like to shake my, you know, shake my heels and tap my feet a little bit. So there's a couple places here I like to go to. When I'm in Mexico, I'm normally in dad mode. I don't, I don't really go out at, at all. Um, when I'm in other parts of the world, like in Italy, you know, I might go out a little bit, but I'm not really. But when I do go, 
I go and I go be, be present to what I'm doing. I think, I think I heard Aubrey Marcus, I don't know where he quoted it from. It's called conscious folly, like stepping into something consciously mm. to experience it and be a part of it, knowing that, okay, when I'm done with it, I'm done with it. But there's a difference between what you're describing, right? Which is, hey, I'm going to go and dive into this experience. I'm going to enjoy for the time I'm enjoying it, prepare to pay the price of it. And then I'm going to carry on with my life. I'm not judging myself for the time that I do it or judging myself for the time that I don't. I just want to go and have this experience. I'm going to go and play the festival game. And the festival game has a cost. Like there's always a ticket price. And the ticket price is, I might be a little bit hungover for a couple of days. There'll be some pizza and some some chicken nuggets that are going to be consumed or whatever. <laughs> but I'm prepared and I'm desiring of that experience enough to pay the price. I think sometimes people just unconsciously fall into experiences, not even aware of the price, not prepared to pay it, blaming others or being a victim about the price when actually you had a choice about whether you were going to play that game or not. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, I think, really is a testimony to the idea of free will. Like, you can do mm-hmm. anything in life, literally anything. You know, the, the most... Yep enlightened things and the most egotistical things you know you can hurt mm-hmm. other people i'm not advertising for that you know definitely not but you have a free mm-hmm. will so you can do it the idea is though can you bear the consequences and mm-hmm. and if and my my invitation is always if you cannot be at peace with the consequences definitely don't do it because then you're mm-hmm. just inflicting suffering on yourself why would you do that like just Yesterday morning, I came back from the gym and I was reflecting, you know, there was an old paradigm coming up. It's like, oh, you know, six pack, come on, you can do that. You know, and I was like, mm-hmm. what's the added benefit of me having a six pack? I asked myself that, right? And I'm like, I'm like, what will that give me? And I was like, okay, I already have a beautiful wife, a gorgeous, beautiful wife that you know, there's, she loves me exactly the way she is. She tells me every day, uh, you know, I can definitely tell. It's like, okay, so that one is covered. So it's like, okay, if I look myself in the mirror, how will I feel? It's like, yeah, I'll definitely feel a little bit more like, okay, damn. Okay, look at you, son. It's like, but what's the degree of that added bonus? It's like, is it like monumentally larger? And, and I was like, nope, definitely not. And so I asked myself, what would be the additional effort that I have to put in to have a six pack. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of effort. Like not so much in working <laughs> out, but like I would have to count calories every day. There wouldn't be any <laughs> leeway for me to indulge any things that people would call a cheat meal. So I was like, do I want to live that life? Is Am I okay with that? And I was like, mm-hmm. nope, nope. I'm, I can be totally at peace with how I look and who, where I am in life and done. Okay. Mm-hmm moved away. I don't need to have a six pack. I'm okay with that. Right. But I think a lot of people, especially a lot of entrepreneurs, they chase an idea. I got to become a millionaire. I got to become a multimillionaire. I got to become a trillionaire, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Some crazy thing. And they kill themselves in the pursuit of having it. And oftentimes mm-hmm. I, I see entrepreneurs when they get there, they're like, Hmm. Okay. Next. You know, next. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, you know, this conversation brings me to this idea of balance. And I would love mm-hmm. your perspective on one, how do you look at balance? And two, how do you go about creating it in your experience as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, I love everything that you just shared. And I think anyone who hasn't caught on to that really needs to dial back and really ask himself the things that I think I want, is it really me that wants them? Because much to your point, there's going to be an energy expenditure for everything that we're going to create. And so often we spend so much time going over things that we're not actually really wanting that we're not actually going to create. We've wasted the time. We've wasted the energy and also compounded failure because we haven't finished. And so Mm. it's very important, I think, to be, intentional and discerning in what we start to go out and get because every time you start something and don't finish it you're actually reinforcing an identity trait of someone who doesn't finish so then when there's something that you actually want to go and create that you do desire you've actually got that track record of not finishing in your identity which makes it all the more harder to go for the thing that you actually want to go for and so i love that you did that um i've had the same thing with like different things in my life like hobbies that i went off to go and do um and i was like I don't really want to do this hobby. <laughs> I don't really care about this. But then 
by being able to cut the cord with that thing I don't really want, I'm able to turn all the energy into the things I do really want. It's a really wild one. So like I've got my son, my son is two, coming up on two and a half now. And um, for the last, I want to say year that me and his mum haven't been together. Um, and I've been thinking about the future and what that means, you know, having more of a blended family situation. If I go forward, if I do end up getting into another relationship, you know, I have to factor in that I have my kid. She and I speak about this all the time because we're, we're, we get on really, really well and how we're co-parenting. I'm really, really grateful for how we've been able to navigate this. Yeah. But like, even when she's thinking about her, maybe going back into the relationship scene that yes, factoring in, and we're really in communication about the fact that anyone that we bring into our life is also we're bringing into a unit. And so we've been working hard to solidify us as a unit that other people get to be a part of rather than pulling apart. And I was sitting there thinking, oh yeah, I want some more kids, you know, like I want a couple of daughters and blah, blah, blah. And, and then it said that the other day and I was like, I'm, I'm okay. It's not that I'm saying that I don't <laughs> want, right? It's not that I'm saying that I don't want, but I was kind of running on the tip of the last year or so where I'm like, yeah, anyone who I get involved with now, it's got to be someone that wants kids because I want more kids. Da, 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 da. Where it's like, actually, I'm actually really quite full with the experience I have of being the father to my son, right? And I, I feel really quite fully energetically committed to that. And so therefore, I'm not even really jumping at going to do. Now, again, I'm not saying that I don't want or that I won't do, but just that tweak of the energy and the focus that I was putting in that the filters that I was putting on my life, closing off different experiences because I thought I wanted something. But when I sat with the truth of it, I actually wasn't as obsessed with it as I thought I was. So I think there's a real power behind that. Yeah. 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 I think that's beautiful that you have this insight and that's an invitation to everyone who's listening now to check in with yourself and really ask yourself, mm -hmm. why do I want what I tell myself that I want? What do I mm -hmm. think it will give me that I currently don't have? And, you know, you mm -hmm. can go even further. It's like, is it your own true authentic desire or is it coming mm -hmm. from a should place? Is it a remnant mm -hmm. of the what you what your mother told you, what your father told you, what your teacher told you, what your boss told you, what your former mentor told you, what you read in the book? Is it mm -hmm. that or is it you? Is it authentically you where you sit down with yourself you check in, you come to a moment of quiet, of, of centeredness and check and say, hmm, what do I actually want in my life that would bring me joy? And if it's not mm -hmm. that, then maybe it's time to drop it. So mm -hmm. I'd love to come back to the question about balance, because this is a topic that oh, I sorry, see sorry. I went off on a dungeon. So much, sorry, right? I went off on a dungeon there. <laughs> <laughs> I went off on a dungeon there. Yeah, I think entrepreneurs, I think, again, that was I was gonna dovetail back, but I got lost. When you are clear on what you want, then it's not even about balance; it's about focus. When you're clear on what you want, it's not about balance; it's about focus. There are people that are forcing themselves to go into the balance of family life and so on and so forth. You're not a family mm -hmm. person, bro. Just accept it. You're not a family person, sis. That's just not you. You are mm -hmm. here to create and do the thing. So if yeah. you're ready to accept that, then you can actually cut the energy that's going into the thing that you don't even want and be fully present to what you do. It could be that actually it's more important to you to be a family person, for example. And I'm just pulling this very black and white example, in which case, maybe be really clear on what you want financially so you can structure a business setup or an entrepreneurial setup that supports the needs and desires that you have so you can be more fully present over here. But it has yeah. to, it begins, I think, with being very clear on what your primary directive is. I had this last year. Last year, we had an amazing year. We've been building year and year and year, been growing and growing and growing. And last year, like business was insane. But guess what? I got so businessy that I actually started on some levels to get disconnected from the reason why I came to do this work in the first place. So I hit mm. pause at the end of last year. and I was like, whoa, pause. Let's come back to what I'm really, really focused on. And I've been spending these first few months of this year really dialing in which parts of it was I doing because they're businessy and are they required? Where are the six parts in my situation? Right. Where are the things that are purpose driven that are really a, what I'm here to do and dining that in and then structuring everything entrepreneurship and business wise around supporting what my purpose is, what my desires are, what my and also what the needs are of function, because we need resources in order to do the thing. 
I like nice things, so we need some resources for that. But where is the balance against the, the, the intention, right? So I think sometimes we oversimplify balance. Oh, I need work-life balance. I need to spend enough time with the family and enough time with the business. Maybe not. Maybe actually you're doing your family a disservice by not allowing them to have a female energy or a masculine energy in there that's going to be more supportive to their needs. Or maybe you need to bring some support in for that, whether it's a grandparent or whether it's a nanny or whether it's a whatever, you know? So I think we really need to be intentional and honest with ourselves to ask ourselves the hard questions so that we can be in integrity and real honesty and intentional about what we're creating. Mm, that's a beautiful way of looking at that. And I like what you're saying about being really honest with yourself. And that comes from a place of understanding who you are in this world and what your tr biggest desire, your mission is. And, you know, I can relate to that because for me, I want to have a big family. I want to have like, you know, mm -hmm two, three kids, you know, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure yet. We mm -hmm. haven't had the first one yet. So we'll experience that first. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have chosen a woman who is absolutely in love with children. Eileen is just like the mother, right? Is there's a book yeah. of the mother. Yeah. It's Eileen. Yeah, she yeah, is so that. good with kids. She's definitely got that. She definitely Everybody got that sees her and she's like, oh my God, you know? And I, on the other hand, I, I love be I love the idea of being a father and I could see myself when I'm with younger children, after a certain time, I get bored. I do, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, but Eileen sits there for freaking four hours and they tell her about their little, little house that they build and, and I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but for me, I'm like, I'm okay with that. I don't see myself as the kind of father mm -hmm. that spends hours and hours and hours and hours every day with their children. Um, it's like, I'm more of the, the vision builder in the family, right? The one that creates mm -hmm. the generation mm -hmm. of wealth, the one that sets the standard for, but when it comes to the house, to the part of nurturing, to the family, Eileen mm -hmm. is taking charge, right? I'm, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. uh, letting her lead, lead us. And so that mm -hmm. was also something that I had to wrestle with in the beginning years, because in my previous relationships, I was all about, you know, I want a woman that's just like hardcore vision creation, just like me, just go both of us. And then yeah. I'm thinking like, no, I don't want that. I don't want another me that's just like working as much as I do. Uh, uh, uh. I want a, a woman that's in her power, in her divine feminine power, where I can come home and feel like, wow, this is this is my woman. She cultivates the space for me to feel safe, for me to feel love, for me to feel a sense of home. Mm -hmm. So I can go out into the world and play at a big level. And mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. in the beginning, I was like, ah, oh, that's wrong. That's a macho stuff. That's toxic masculinity. And then I really mm -hmm. dug deeper and did the work. And I was like, no, that's what I want. And I get to choose what I want. Mm -hmm. And if I can attract a partner who's in perfect alignment with that, then we have a divine union. And so exactly. that I think is a really powerful way that you describe it, like away from this idea that balance has to be the standard things like 50 percent work 50 percent family life you know and then hobbies and all that stuff no it's different for everybody and it's part of your mm -hmm. authentic desires and who you are in this life and the thing as well that kind of dovetails on what you said and i love that you've had that awareness it's that is it better that your kids have 50 percent of you 100 percent of the time or have pockets of time that they have you 100 percent that you're fully present that you're fully there right that yes. you haven't that you haven't that you're not in resentment energy because you you want to be on that trip or whatever the yeah. thing is but you go and do the trip you maintain that relationship with them but when you're present you are fully 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 present knowing that there is a beautiful loving nurturing container holding them in the spaces in between and i think so many people are are judging themselves against a standard of what they should be doing that they're not actually giving themselves space and grace to be what they have the power to be, which is fully embodied in themselves and then able to fully show up and be present for their family, for their business, for their whatever, by being fully present with it there. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love the way you put that. And, you know, since you are a man of resources and who has done a lot of personal growth, I'm wondering 
what are some of the go-to tools that you use on a daily basis and on mm -hmm. a yearly basis to ensure that you are operating at your highest level as an entrepreneur and a leader? Okay, first and foremost, I spend multiple six figures a year on my personal development. Like I, I, I spend on my personal development. That's making sure I've always got coaches, I've always got healers on tap, I've always got mentors that I can connect with, I've got people that I can speak my fears and stuff into, I've got safe spaces for that. I also make sure that I'm networking and connecting with people that are pulling me forward, right? I love being the brokest, dumbest, least accomplished, least resourceful person in the room. I make, an, I make mm. a point of doing that, right? So that's a regular basis. I read an average of three to four books a month on average, right? Um, uh, and not just reading it, but studying it and finding at least one thing I can apply from it. Um, I take time out in silence. I only work three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday is self-care, wow. Monday is focused on personal development. Um, I take time out to interrogate what I want to be and what I'm moving towards on pretty much a daily basis. And specifically, I have time every week where I, I connect with how was the week before what about it do I want to continue? What do I not want to continue? What do I want to bring into the week to come? Daily, we've got my uh, some kind of spiritual practice, whether it's yoga, meditation, breath work, visualization. That's to bookend my day. I do some kind of practice to bookend my day. And also just making sure, and I think this is the, the most important thing for me, I'm very clear on how I want to feel and I ruthlessly curate my environment of anything that doesn't support that. I don't care who, what, or where you are. If you are getting in the way of me being in the frequency that I desire to be in, you don't get to stay. Damn. That part, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this part again. This was such a clear cut definition. And I'm going to take some of that because just like you, I have what I call a king's council. Right? And if you look mm -hmm. at the kings back in the old days, the good kings mm -hmm. had a strong council. And, you know, again, bringing in Game of Thrones, how many times have you seen, you know, the the hand of the king with uh, the council there just drop poison into the ear of the king and, you know, then him leading him down a very dark path. And so I love the way that you position this. Uh, Mondays and Fridays are days for inner work, self-care, personal development. Mm -hmm. You have people where you can go to and have that cultivate that safe space. That's a beautiful, beautiful way of showing people how to stay at a level of high performance. And as we come to the end of this uh, conversation, I want to ask you, do you have a place for our listeners to come and check out what you have to offer, um, any insights, sure. podcasts, resources? Yeah, everything's dreamwithdan.com. I've got a couple of podcasts, one specifically for entrepreneurs and one is more just me talking to cool people when I'm in the mood to talk to cool people. Um, I blog on there as well and I write for Entrepreneur Magazine as well, kind of speaking about this level of consciousness and entrepreneurship. But you can find the link for all of that on my website, dreamwithdan.com. Beautiful. And I will be sure to add this into the show notes that I'd like to give you the final word um, with a word of advice to our listeners as you have shared so many beautiful mm -hmm. insights today already. Well, first of all, just gratitude for the opportunity to, to speak to the listener today. And also just know the game that you want to play. Be honest about the game that you want to play and play it full out. Yeah. Let's play the game of life fully all the way out with all of our being, with all of our might in full presence. My friend, thank you very much for being on the Zenpreneur podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor having you. And thank you as a loyal listener for checking in here. And I look forward to serving you on the next episode of the Zenpreneur podcast. And with that, we are out.